Hello, friend. Welcome to episode 13 of Sally's Performing Arts Lab podcast. I'm your host, Sally Adams, and I've taught people how to produce original work for the stage for over 30 years. If you go to sallypal.com, you'll find my blog as well as my podcast. You'll also find Sally Pal on Acast, Blueberry, Google Play, iTunes, Overcast, Player FM, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and, of course, my home platform, Podbean. Check out Podbean the week of November 27th when the Sally Pal podcast will be a featured show. Thanks to everyone who's been sharing the blog and the podcast. I really appreciate the shares and the suggestions. Today's episode is an interview with Sheila Black. Sheila is a published poet and writing professor, and she's been teaching creative writing in college classrooms and writing workshops for over 20 years. Her curriculum encourages students to write and perform their own work. If you're in the Tulsa area, you can sign up for Sheila Black's Writing Intensive, Writing from the Heart. This five-week creative writing workshop runs from 6 to 7.30 every Thursday evening starting September 21st. To find out more, contact Sheila at semanticsblack at yahoo.com. I'll include that information in the podcast show notes as well as on the blog. Be sure to listen until the end of the interview for concise advice from the interview and words of wisdom from George. Let's get started. Every day I gotta stop for a minute Think about how good my life is with you in it Every day I wanna stop and think about you I would like to welcome my very good friend Sheila Black to Sally Pal. Sheila is a published poet and an amazing workshop teacher, and we're going to talk about poetry and writing workshops today. Hi, Sheila. Hi, Sally. I'm so excited. Okay, well, we're going to talk about finding your voice, because I think that is critically important for anybody who is writing, whether it's to be spoken aloud on stage or in a poetry reading or to be read. Well, I agree with what you just said, and it's in my lifelong mission to teach people how to write and find what is the message they want to put out there and feel confidence with their voice. How do you teach someone to find their voice? Uh, for me, it's learning how to be with people, sometimes if they're most vulnerable, and give them examples of how they can express what they're needing to express. Do you come into a workshop, let's say, for instance, you've got one coming up. Do you come into a workshop prepared with exercises and things like that, or do you just wing it? Well, the old <laughs> me used to wing it all the time. That worked when you're young and you can remember everything. But now <laughs> I uh, do a little preparation in creating a list of starter poems and starter short stories that we can work with, and then I can also evaluate where a student is with his writing process or her writing process. How do you know when someone has actually found their voice? When they're happy with what they've written, I think. When they think they've gotten it out there. And when they can say, oh, I had this incredibly personal message I wanted to express, but it was too difficult for me. And now in writing these poems about something else has actually helped me to express what I really mean to say. Do you find people express deeper truths when they're not aware that they're doing it? Absolutely. That is actually what I was trying to say. 
it's that what you just said that actually draws people in and shows them that it's possible for them to create a poem or a story that acts as a metaphor for their own lives. Do you recognize it first or do your students recognize it first? Who's who's the first person to see this? Yeah, chicken or the egg. In fact, it was my personal mission because when I was young, I was very shy, grew up with the seven brothers and sisters, and I wanted to speak up, and I wanted to be funny, and I wanted to say things, and I found the world around me to be quite beautiful, and I wanted to express that, and when I was young, I would go outside a lot and just sit and listen to animals or birds chirping and and think about how grateful I was to be there in that moment. At the same time, um, I was stopped by thinking, I'll stop by un- unskillful thinking, let's say. <laughs> However, that didn't stop me. I still wrote quite a bit since I was, I guess, 13 or 14. I was always writing something. Do you see people reach that conclusion of finding a voice in the same way that you did, or is everybody's journey a little different? In a general way, what stops or blocks writers from writing is some story they're telling themselves from their past. You can identify these kind of students pretty quickly because it shows up in their writing. They do get the nerve to come to a workshop. They're unable to get themselves out of the way to get to their their voice or what their voice needs, like, like mine is. Mine started with, I want to support single women who are going back to college. And for some reason, I felt I had to finish my degree so that I could, you know, make a difference in the writing world and in the educational world. Teaching students what they have to say is important and unique to them. And they don't have to worry about it's too much like the other student work or they don't have to worry about copying famous poets or famous uh, authors because uh, everybody has to start somewhere. And if you practice the art of the form of writing, if you practice with someone who's an expert at it, uh, very likely something beautiful is going to come out. It always does. When I see writers letting go of their self-consciousness about writing, then the next thing comes up which is what they really wanted to say. And they know it. They know it deep in their heart. You can tell by the looks on their faces when they read their work to their fellow students in the class and they get feedback. I encourage all kinds of feedback and I I teach students to learn how to receive it and learn how to give it. It's good that you do that because you often fall into the trap of people going, oh, that's good, I like that. Yeah, I know. Teaching them how to receive critiques that will cause them to revise their work and say what they really mean to say. And that and revision, you know, a lot of students think they if they write something once, they're done. I also teach them how to write it over and over until it really starts to get in their hearts and they start seeing that the message sounds better when they use the right form. Yeah. You and I have talked about teaching these very subjects many, many times, and you have been a college professor for many years, but you also do workshops, and that's a slightly different kind of student. 
Tell me something about your workshops, your average workshop student. You have all kinds of people, from people who are writing regularly to people who've never had the courage to put pen to paper in creative ways. So I'm curious about those groups and which group, your students in your classes or your students at your workshop, do you feel you have more success with in terms of helping them find their voices? There were so many, there's so many things I want to say in what you just said. Say the first thing that comes to mind. <laughs> they have to be willing to be open to find that voice. They have to be willing, you know, they have to sign up. Like my college classes don't necessarily get very excited about poetry or any of that because uh, they're they're just there to get their, their math degrees or their engineering degrees or their nursing degrees. I have had a few along the way who have both sides of the learning wheel. You know, their skills are linear and nonlinear, and they're they're wonderful writers usually as well. I started, though, on the path with older people, with seniors, because I lived in a building where there were a lot of seniors. You don't mean college seniors. You mean senior citizens. Yeah, I mean old people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they heard me talking about it. Some of my students would get out of their college classes, and they'd come over to my apartment. And we started out as kind of non-formal, and some of my students wanted further instruction on writing creatively and knowing the differences between professional writing and creative writing. They wanted to, to learn more and expand what they knew so that they could expand their own knowledge of writing and what kind of writing they would were actually interested in and what, like, if they wanted to be a poet or did they want to be a, a short story writer or did they actually have a book in them, you know? Sometimes you have a student who's, like, on fire. They want to write a book of their life story or they want to write a memoir. Well, let's go off on a bunny trail then because that is a big thing for playwrights as well, and I suspect dancers, choreographers run into this issue as do musicians. How do you recognize what you perceive as precious but needs to go? Well, I've gotten pretty good at it with my own writing. Uh, however, I sometimes will cut a piece, set of poems apart, and everyone in the group, I'll come back to the group with a different poem, and I go, we like the old one. <laughs> well, you're pretty ruthless with your own work. I know that. But you're very gentle with your students, so how do you get them to be... A critic that's not, you know what I mean, how people tear themselves up, but it's out of ego, not out of the, the, the artistry or the work? Yeah, well, it requires balance. Yeah, and that's actually a great segue, because I want to talk about rhythm and voice in terms of reading your work aloud or sharing your work aloud. That's something we've talked about a lot, since I'm a performance person, and we work together on stuff like that. That was one of my biggest obstacles and why I would ask you to, to read my work before I had completely finished it because I, your critiques are always valuable and I really needed that kind of feedback but I'm searching for the sound of it to uh, have a specific rhythm and one of the major poems I wrote using this there were two of them I told my life story just using sound and rhythm and some key phrases that happened to be key moments in my life growing up in West Texas. 
I really love that poem, and I performed it at several venues. When when I write mm-hmm. something like that, when it's yeah. out of the realm of uh, something that's linear, but it's completely nonlinear, and by nonlinear, I mean maybe a heavier use of metaphor. I love to express my life in unique terms, and I don't mean that e- egotistically. I mean unique, like oddball. I always felt like I was different growing up. Now, mm-hmm. I know now I'm not alone. <laughs> but I loved coming up with odd words to express what I was thinking or feeling. And that turned out to be my real voice. And a lot of my poems, you have to read them a few times before you get. A lot of my poems are intended to be humorous and ironic. I think your poems are very funny. Some people don't take them that way. (laughs) Well, you have such a way of expressing that. Do you ever get frustrated when you perform your poems and you are not connecting with the audience in the way that you had hoped? Well, you have to laugh, but... The funniest thing is I wrote a poem about the question you asked me. Performing a poem at the Living Arts Center was the name of it. (laughs) I described the behavior of all the people who came up to me afterwards because it happened to be one that everyone liked. But they would come up and uh, they'd say, oh, I love that dog that you talked about in the poem. And I went, it wasn't a dog, it was a girl. like the actor's lament and I'm sure other performers have the same experience where people come up after a performance that you poured your heart out and done something you felt was extraordinary and they come up to you afterwards and say how did you memorize all those lines (laughs) (laughs) exactly (laughs) and you're like no this you didn't get it you've been published quite a bit is it different as a poet do you think do you think it's more important to be read aloud or to be published? Gee, tough question. In my beginning years, all I could think about was publishing because when you're working on your master's, that's important for your overall degree. Send out your work as much as you can. And I did all that. And I got Mm -hmm. a lot of singular uh, poems published, but I still have not completed a book and gotten a book published. I wasn't very good at first reading aloud, so I had to practice a lot. What finally allowed me to relax a little bit was just to not care how it came out because it seemed to want to come out different every time I read something. And to really learn that I was there to express the words that I had written, so that's what I did. If I worry too much about how people take the words that I've written, I won't write anymore. You know, I'll just say, what's the point? But I write because I love to write. 20 years I've been teaching and 35 years I've been exploring writing. It just keeps getting better for me. I always feel a sense of satisfaction when I finish a poem. And I don't know whether it's going to be good or bad out there in the publishing world. I don't send out as many poems as I used to, but I'm on a roll lately. (laughs) I've been writing a lot and teaching writing a lot lately, uh, writing workshops. And it's so fulfilling. And it doesn't matter how old I am. I think I'm going to keep doing this writing uh, for a long time. And, And I hope that it inspires other people who are trying to learn, because my road wasn't on a straight path at all, and I don't think it is for anyone. 
I think we get on this path of what we love and want to do, and we go all over the place with it and think, well, maybe I'm not meant to do that. But then you get to another place later on down the road and find that all of the wiggly parts, <laughs> those were the parts that actually informed what you're doing. Yeah, it did. It really did. All the paths that I thought was the wrong way, all the attempts I made at being famous <laughs> are laughable yeah. today. Today, I, I have such joy in working with students who want to be able to write and be proud of their writing. They're so lit up, and you know they want to write and be writers. And I say, go for it, and don't worry about what it looks like. Don't worry about doing it perfectly. Don't worry about people liking it or not. Keep on doing it, and um, most often, very satisfying, very satisfying. Is it ever lonely? <laughs> I love being alone. I do write a lot while I'm alone, so mm -hmm. I don't feel lonely. That's another thing I have to get in balance about because I need people just as much as anybody. I need friends. I need subject matter to write about people. Will and I were talking about this very subject a few days ago. Will is my son, and you know Will very well because you guys were movie buddies. He said to me that he had a really lonely beginning of summer and I was asking him about that because he has roommates, he has people around, he's a very social guy and he said but he started to recognize that during the time the summer and the previous semester he wasn't really writing. He was revising and doing those kinds of things but he wasn't writing his characters and he noticed that he's lonely when he's not with his characters, having conversations with his characters. And by that, I mean, you know, writing dialogue and whatever. Yeah, that's that's amazing and wonderful. But he's always been like that. Yeah, and, but I, I wondered that about you because poetry is not quite the same. You're not dealing with specific characters, but you are having conversations on paper. That's a good way to put it. Uh, I am having a conversation with the, the words on paper and with mm -hmm. myself and my role with the words and what, what is my role. And I love words and language more than anything. And I am always in my head, I've got a puzzle up there figuring out which word goes where when I'm writing. When I first start, like when I, I wrote a poem recently and posted on Facebook this morning, practicing that exercise I told you about, I had so much fun first writing down that the stanza that Mark Doty had written. It was a Mark Doty poem, popular in the 90s, during the 90s, but I'm sure he's still teaching and writing at Sarah Lawrence College. I took a Mark Doty poem and added three stanzas of my own to it. it. The poem is called Heaven. The first stanza is quite interesting. It's four lines. I put that on at the top of the poem. And then I wrote stanza two, three, and four, the direction the poem took me. And part of that direction has to do with looking at that beginning stanza and then figuring out uh, what I want to do with it that has nothing to do with the way that Doty ended his poem. I wrote an entirely different poem based on his stanza. Can you give any any bit of advice that you would give to someone who is producing original work and wants to perform it? Just do it is one. <laughs> Don't worry about how you look. <laughs> Think about your 
uh, intentions, what expectation do you have in the audience, then let go of that and say, what do I want to give to the audience? It's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about you. It's a finished poem. There's nothing else to do with it. So now you're you're giving it to an audience, and what they do with it is up to them. Don't be offended if they don't get what you meant to say because they actually got what they needed to hear. Don't control others in the interpretation of your work. What if you give your poem to someone else to interpret? Let's say you have a poem and you're not going to be the one reading it aloud. Someone else is. I'm thinking go for it. And also, when someone else reads your work, I often can hear things in the reading that causes me to appreciate it more. Someone's interjection of their own interpretation of it especially someone who's a real performance artist or or theatrical person. You know, they're going to inject into that poem or that reading part of themselves. Well, what's that like for you as an artist if you hear it done and you think, oh, I didn't know I said that? I let people read my work in the workshop a lot, and I'm always surprised by what their interpretation is of my work. I've always, as I said, felt like I was different than anybody else, and the only way I've been able to accept myself is that it's okay if you have something odd to say. Whatever it is that you think you're suppressing, if you're suppressing anything in yourself, you're not living a full life, and I know that because I've done that as well. So, you know, someone might disagree with me on that. Stop suppressing, Americans, is all I want to say. (laughs) That is like the best advice ever. (laughs) Stop suppressing yourself. Just live. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate, because it took me a long time to talk you into letting me interview you. I know. I'm shy. Stop suppressing yourself. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Thank you for being on Sally Pal, my dear. You're a gem. Well, thanks for having me. I adore you. No, I adore you. It's now time for concise advice from the interview. A short version of tips from today's guest. Today, I have 10 bits of advice for poets who want to share their work with an audience. Number 10, practice your writing. Number 9, rewrite and revise. Number 8, don't worry what anyone thinks about your work. Number 7, work with a mentor or teacher who can help you improve. Number 6, Before presenting your writing, think to yourself, what do I want to give to this audience? Number five, connect with other writers online or in classes or workshops. Number four, don't worry about how you look when sharing your writing with an audience. Number three, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about you. Number two, Listen as someone else reads your work aloud. And the number one piece of advice from poet Sheila Black? Don't be offended if an audience member doesn't get what you meant to say because they got what they needed to hear. That's it for concise advice from the interview. Next week, I'll be interviewing improv comedian Angie Mitchell. Thanks again for listening. I'm Sally, and this is Sally Pal. The P-A-L in PAL stands for Performing Arts Lab. Be sure to check out my blog for articles and podcast episodes. It's sallypal.com. 
Also, keep sharing. The number of downloads is rising all the time thanks to you. You can now find the podcast on Acast, Blueberry, Google Play, iTunes, Overcast, Player FM, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, TuneIn, and of course Podbean, where Sally Pal will be a featured show the week of November 27th. If you use a podcast platform that doesn't carry Sally Pal, let me know and I'll see if I can change that. Of course, you can always find the blog and the podcast on my website, sallypal.com. Look for my posts on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, and LinkedIn, and now on Reddit. If you like Sally Pal, find a like button and press it. Don't ask me where it is, just do it! And if you really like it, download and share the podcast or the blog, or both! A new podcast goes out every Monday evening. Now I have just one bit of wisdom from George, my husband, the coolest guy on the planet. George, what's your wisdom for today? You don't eat because you're hungry. You eat because you don't want to get hungry. (laughs) Well said, George. Well said. I don't know if that's excellent advice, but you said it really well. Remember, all the performances you've seen on stage once lived only in someone's imagination. Now it's your turn. Thank you so much for listening. If you're downloading and listening on your drive to work or falling asleep to my dulcet tones late at night, Patsy Poo, let me know you're listening. And Jared, I'm finally learning how to use MailChimp so you can look forward to cool stuff in your email box. But not every day, because... Ain't nobody got time for that! There's no advertising budget here. Just like and share buttons, downloads, podcast subscribe buttons, and soon, a newsletter. We'll make it a party where ideas can be shared. Sally Pal episodes are posted on Monday evenings, so spread the word. Remember to tune in next week for my special guest, Angie Mitchell. I want to help you learn to produce and direct original shows. It's what I do, and you can too. something to the effect of where how did that get in there what is wrong with me i do not know that's it okay you don't have to say anything else